thank you for your goodness toward us. We thank you for your mercy toward us. We thank you for being so good to us. As the verse say, you have been there for us when we even when we wasn't right, Lord. You stood by our side. You corrected us. You, you led us. You guided us. You did not throw us away. But that we say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to worship you together for these shared moments together. We praise you for it, Lord. And as we look into your word this morning, we ask you to open our eyes to a whole wondrous thing from your truth. Our ears, we may hear your truth. Our minds, that we may understand and comprehend the truth of your word. But most importantly, open our hearts that we may receive with meekness your word, which is able to save our souls. Evangelize every Sunday, edify and energize your church and exalt your glorious name. Speak, Lord, for we, your servants, we are listening. It is in the mighty, magnificent, majestic name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray and ask all these things, all believers say amen. amen. Come on, give God praise this morning. Hallelujah. I needed that for me. Amen. Amen. I needed that for me. Some of you may not have needed it this morning, but I needed that for me. Amen. It's preaching time. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. You no, know, Colossians is not one of those books that we visit that often. If you find Philippians, flip over a couple pages, you will be there. Technology has helped some of us, and all we have to do is go to our app and, and look up the, the book, and it'll take, it'll take us there quickly. And, Still struggling, even look on the screen with us this morning. Amen. Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 23 and read verse 24. The Bible says, Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that the Lord will, from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For a few moments, I want to talk from this thought. Take this job and love it. Take this job and love it. Take this job and love it. Brothers and sisters, research has declared that the hours after worship are some of the most depressed hours that many individuals face on a weekly basis. They have said this in an effort to critique the church as if coming to church instead of uplifting an individual leaves an individual down in the dumps. And as a result of this, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has found ourselves trying to entertain people rather than disciple them. We try to come up with different means, different forms, different trends of what we can do to make church enjoyable 
to make people in the pews leave saying, I had a good time. As a result of that, we have oftentimes turned the church into a pep party or a spiritual club scene where you can't really find too much difference between the sanctuary lighting and the club lighting. Because we're trying our best to change these trends where people are trying to suggest that instead of church helping you, you leave church worse than you did when you first came in. The result of this, brothers and sisters, we have to look at ourselves and take account that sometimes we can become sterile in our worship. Sometimes we can become so sterile and routine in our worship that we show up on Sunday morning and sit on our pews like knots on a log and act as if we're doing God a favor just by simply showing up in worship. Some of this is just our rigidity in religious practices. Some of it is bad theology. Some of it is the fact that we don't believe that God's word is rich enough that we open up God's word and just declare, thus said the Lord, that God's word has a way of penetrating the recesses of our hearts and uplifting our spirit and we leave saying, I feel like going on. But because we don't trust God's word, we began to focus more on cliches upon different topics that members may say they are interested in instead of listening to the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to dictate what is preached from the pulpit. Some of this is us. But when you look deeper, my brothers and sisters, the reason why many of us seep off into depression after the benediction on Sunday morning is because we know that there's nothing else standing between us and work from that point on. The fact of the matter is, many of us dread that alarm clock going off on Monday morning. We leave worship and the next thing we think about is what we're going to eat. And after we eat, then we go to sleep. And then we wake up and say, Lord, my weekend is gone. <laughs> what? What am I? Oh, I gotta go to work in the morning. I so don't want to go see those people. I just don't want to deal with them tomorrow. I just, I had a good time Saturday night. Church was all right and the food was good. But when we look at what's next on our agenda, we recognize we have to clock in at some place of occupation and we began to seep off into a sad, slow because we just don't like where we work. In fact, some of us left work on um, Friday afternoon and we were so upset and so angry that we said within ourselves and some of us even said it out their mouth, they can take this job and shove it. And some of us got so mad that we even told them where they could shove it too. And as a result of that, we just don't enjoy going to work. This is a problem, brothers and sisters, because you spend more time at your place of employment than you do any other place. Take account of your hours in a day. You spend more active hours at work than you do at any other place in your life. You spend more active hours on your job than you do at home. More active job hours.
on your job, and you do visiting your family and your friends. You spend the majority of your life at work. And if you don't like where you work, then brothers and sisters, you're not going to enjoy your life very much. And then payday comes. And it goes from bad to worse. I worked all this month, all this week, all for 14 days, and this all I got. The government just robbing me. They took everything out my check. I don't know what I'm going to do because before I leave and go to the bank, somebody else already owes my money. That's another sermon. It's called Living in Your Means, but we don't have time to talk about Belton this morning. But as a result, we just don't like to go to work. Ah, if you don't believe me, you ought to see how in the sanctuary on Sunday morning, I can tell who in the working force. <laughs> Retired people, their countenance remains the same all the time. They, 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 they leave church, they happy. And you say, have a good week. Oh, I'm gonna be fine. I'm retired. I'm, I'm just gonna sit at home. I'm gonna get up when I want to. And you know what? I'm just enjoying my life, Pastor. I'm enjoying things. But people that gotta go to work, you ain't got time to speak to nobody. Cause you gotta go get ready to go to work. And this one, you can tell the difference in your countenance. But God does not want your work to be a burden. God wants you to enjoy going to work. And here's what I'm saying. God wants us to enjoy going to work because when we work, regardless of what our occupation is, we work unto the Lord, not unto man. We work to serve Christ. Not to serve ourselves. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that part of the problem we have in working is our perspective about work. We feel if I just make enough money, I'm going to be happy. If I can just get to that position, I'll be satisfied. If I can just get in that corner office, then I'm going to feel fulfilled. And then you'll say, then I finally get a paycheck that um, is that is reflective of my work. But when you get into that position, when you get that raise, when you get into that office, and you get more responsibilities, you begin to recognize that you still don't feel appreciated for your work. And you cannot go to work just simply to get a paycheck. You got to find some purpose, some meaning in your work, something in your work that makes you feel like you are making a difference. And one of the best ways you can make a difference is recognizing that you are working for Christ. Let me, let me, let me point this out to you and I go home this um, afternoon. Uh, Paul writes to the Colossians in Colossae and he begins by going through these household codes. He talks about husbands and wives and children and responsibility within the house. But then he deals with another group in society um, known as slaves. Now, many of us don't like to 
digest this scripture because of the history that we have as African Americans because we were enslaved as a people. But brothers and sisters, it's in God's word and we can't overlook God's word. And I want to just say this very quick before someone leaves here and think that we have an oppressive God, an oppressive theology. Um, Paul does not condone slavery. He does not condemn slavery. He recognizes that slavery is a part of the economic system of that time period. And let me just say this very quickly and I go on, but catch this brothers and sisters. You cannot compare the slavery in the Bible to the slavery that was in America. American slavery was based on enslaving a group of people and demeaning them and making them feel as if they are nothing. That is not the slavery of the Bible. The slavery in the Bible was not based on race. The slavery in the Bible was oftentimes based on class. And even when you got into a certain class, you could work your way out of slavery. You remember in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the Bible talks about the year of Jubilee that every 50 years the debts of cancel and people are set free. God never desired the people to spend their entire lives in slavery. But listen to me, brothers and sisters, it's not just about slavery on your, on your hands. It's about slavery in your mind. But get this also, it's about slavery of your pocketbook. Don't have time to talk about that this morning. But some of us are free with our hands, but all our money is enslaved. I ain't got time to deal with it, but you'll catch it later. But Paul said to them, um, listen, um, I'm not condoning, but I'm trying to tell you this. Um, when you become a believer, masters, you must be careful how you treat your slaves because there is a master who's greater than you and you will give an account by your treatment of those who work for you. He tells the slaves that when you work, don't look at it like you're working for the master, the man. But look at this, you're working for the master Christ. And in our context today, most theologians agree that this text has more to do with employer and employee relationships than slave and slave master. It is saying to us, brothers and sisters, that when we go to work, we're not working for the man, we're working for God. And we ought to work hard and ought to do our best. I don't care if they're looking at you or not. You ought to do your best. No cutting the corners. You ought to do your best in everything you do because in everything you do, you represent God. We work unto the Lord. And when we start working unto the Lord, we will find joy in our work. Ah, some of you still hang out. It'll help you later on. You may not like it right now. So, why should I Love my job. First, when we work unto the Lord, not unto us, not for a check, but when we work unto the Lord, we reflect the character of the Lord. Work is not a result of man falling into sin. Work is a part of God's purpose for creating you. When God 
made man. Before he gave him Adam, before he gave him Eve, before he gave him Cain and Abel, the first thing God did was give him a relationship with him and then gave him a job. Before man fell into sin, God gave him a job and says, you must work this garden. I'm not going to send out no holy um, long service to cut the grass. I'm not going to send down somebody to keep maintenance on this garden. And you got to trim. They going to trim the hedges and, and cut back the prince bushes. But you know it's going to be your job to get up in the morning and take care of this garden. Says, you don't have to work. You don't have to work. Uh, and then, not only that, when God shows up on the scene, uh, the Bible says that for six days, God did work. And on the seventh day, he rests. What am I saying? I'm saying that if you and I are made in the image of God, and if God shows up in Genesis chapter 1 working, then as a result of us being made in his image, you and I must work as well. Paul says it like this if a man don't work he don't eat some of us crippling folks cause we try to be so generous trying to give them this and smooth feed them cause they got legs and they got hands and they have abilities and God says I give you the ability to gain wealth stop waiting on somebody to hand it to you and get your butt up off your bus and dust it and go to work because when you work you reflect the Let me, let me go, let me pause and say something. Y'all still here? I'm not saying that everybody who does not punch a clock is not working. I'm saying that some people are working, maintaining a house. Some people are working, taking care of elderly people. Some people are working in their community, volunteering to make a difference. But the result is this, brothers and sisters, we ought to get up every day and do something. Yeah. If, 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 if every day on your agenda it is nothing, what you doing? Nothing. Where you going? Nowhere. I mean, read a book, write a note, write something, do something. Because when you work, you reflect the character of God. So when we work, we work unto the Lord. Because by working, we show God's character. God is a working God. He works. If you don't believe he works, you remember the old church say, he woke me up this morning. He works. He Touched me with his finger of love. He works. He, he, he woke me up and gave me a reasonable portion of my health and strength. He works. He's sustaining all of creation, holding all this stuff together by the sovereignty of his power. God is always at work. And many of us can testify that even in our lives, when it felt like everything was falling apart, God was working behind the scene. And therefore, we can claim the promise of Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that we know all. Working together for the good of them that love the Lord are called according to his purpose. Why? Because our God is always at work on our behalf. 
still and know that I am God. I will be exhausted among the heathen. I will fight your battle. This battle does not belong to you. This battle belongs to me. And some of you still ain't got it yet, but I'm shouting because I don't serve a lazy, lackadaisical God who sits back and just let things happen to me. But he's always setting up fighting my battles. He's always going before me, making cricket places straight, rough places. Thank God is always at work. And I'm here this morning. Not because I worked so well last week. But I'm here this morning because God has been working on my behalf. And if God is always working on my behalf, then you are to go to work and love your job and say, God, since you are working for me, I'm going to work for you. And all this, we reflect God's character. But when we work, as to the Lord, we show our appreciation for, uh, to the Lord. Our appreciation to the Lord. Uh, you remember, very quickly, move on really quickly. You remember when you were fasting and praying, Lord, I need a job. You're on everybody's prayer list. Jesus, y'all intercede for me. I need a job. Mama praying for you because she was tired of you spending her money. Daddy praying for you because you had been digging in his pocket for too many years. And everybody was saying, Lord, give Julia a job. Lord, give the Susan some work. She went to school and she still won't go to work. <laughs> she got all them letters behind her name, but she still, she still don't want to put in a job application. Lord, please bless my baby. And then you get the job. You texting everybody all on Facebook. On Instagram, Snapchat, I just want to thank God for my job. God did it again. God opened the door. Won't He do it? Won't He step in right on time? I never seen the righteous forsaken, nor the seed bed bread. And you've been praising God, but all of a sudden it was a praise break. Because it didn't last too long. Two months later, high work. Oh. <laughs> I'm praying for a new job. But when we go to work and work as unto the Lord, we are telling God, thank you for opening up a door. Thank you for providing for me. Thank you for making a way. Thank you for my skills. Thank you for my knowledge. Thank you for my wisdom. Thank you for your favor on my life. And I may not like everything about this job, but it's allowing me to keep a roof over my head and food in my refrigerator and food on my table and clothes on my back. So, Lord, I thank you for my job. I thank you. 
for my job. And if the truth be told, some of us ain't even qualified for the job we in. Some of us don't even have the resume to match our position. And God opened that door for you. Somebody else was trying to get that job and they had a better um, career feeder, they had a better resume, they had a better cover letter, and they even had a better interview. But God touched their hearts and now you're in that position. How dare you get beside yourself and act like I don't have to work it and I don't have to take this and I don't need this job. If God gave it to you, you better appreciate it because the Lord gives and the Lord will. Take it away. Take that job and love it. Because yeah. every day you go to work, you all say, Lord, thank you for provision. We get too deep sometimes. We get too deep, you see. Somebody at a church right now, they're telling them, hold on. High five your neighbor. It's on the way. Check the mail. It's coming. And I'm going to tell you, go to work. That's your blessing. <laughs> Take your job and love it. Not only that, when we work as unto the Lord, not only do we reflect the character of God and show our appreciation to the Lord, the last thing is we are able to witness for the Lord. You, you go to work and your work environment is not a sterile environment like this sanctuary right now. Everybody in here, for the most part, and I don't take it for granted everybody's a believer, and if you're not, in a few minutes we're gonna give you an opportunity to come and give your life to Christ. But many people in church on Sunday morning are already saved. They know the Lord. They even have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just don't have all of them yet. Uh, I know they said a bad word, but it don't mean they don't love Jesus. They just, the Lord just still working on them. Y'all don't hear me? I know, I know they did some stuff that was kind of shady, but it's okay. The Lord's still working on you too. He's working on me, so it's okay. But, brothers and sisters, our work environments are not sterile. When we go to work, you're going to meet somebody who is a nominal Christian, which means that they just are a Christian by name. They, they not surrendered to Christ. They're not giving their life completely to God. They, they're not studying their word. They're not studying. They're not praying to God. They're not serious about their faith. But if you ask them if they're a Christian, then they say they're a Christian because they've never seen a real Christian at work. But when you go to work and you got a smile on your face, when you go to work, and you give joy exuding from your presence. When you go to work and, and they ask you if you're all right and you can say yes, they say, she always happy. No, I'm not always happy, but I'm always blessed. And because I'm blessed, I recognize my good days, I weigh my bad days, and I ain't got time to sit up here and write a larger list of the place where God has been so good to me. People need to see your They're going to talk to you about a situation going on in their life and God is simply giving you a window, an opportunity to be a witness because don't try to tell them about your three-step plan. Tell them the three 
a God on your side who will work on your behalf, who will make your enemies your footstool. You got to be a witness for the Lord. When you at work. And I'm not telling you you got to go to work and have Bible study in the Tabitha Lounge. I'm not telling you you got to go to work and have crosses all around your neck. I'm not telling you that you can't have a Bible study doing it. If you wear crosses, good. But at the end of the day, the Bible says the tree is known by the fruit that it bears. And when you bear your fruit, you are witnessing for the Lord. People ought to be able to see Jesus in you without you saying a word. Every member of ministry that when you leave here, you represent Christ. When you leave here, you carry his presence. And you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are the one God put in that place. I know you complain about how dark everything is. Don't you realize God may be giving you an opportunity to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I'm done. You ought to take the job and love it. I know it's hard, but take it and love it. I know folks rub you the wrong way, but take it and love it. I know sometimes people say things that offend you out of shame, and I know that sometimes you have to pray just to hold it together because I know you still got some stuff in you. I know God ain't through with you yet, but you have to pray for the Lord to hold you together, Holy Spirit. God, my mouth, Holy Spirit, control my mind because I don't want to say anything that's going to make me lose my job. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But you ought to do it. Why? Because you are a Christian. Are y'all in here? Let me just give a quick Bible one-on-one. Christian means what? To be. Come on, help me out. Christians mean to be what? Uh, And the last time I read my Bible, Jesus came down through 42 generations, not Am I in the building this morning? I know if you are a Christian, which means that we are what? Jesus did not sit down waiting on somebody to serve him, but he said that I came not to be served, but I came to serve. Do I have a witness here? You are a Christian, and being a Christian means what? To be. And if Jesus came down and said, I must work the work of him that sent me, why would it stay? Because night is coming when no man can work. You and I must work. Uh, they came looking for him one day. And there in Joseph said, Jesus, we've been looking for you. And Jesus was at the age of 12. He didn't have a work permit. But he was already working. At the age of 12, he looked at his mom and dad and said, what's wrong with y'all? Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? And I'm so glad that Jesus came down, took his job, and loved it. He loved that job through people lying on him. He loved that job through people spitting on him. He loved that job through people forsaking him. He loved that job through even the fact 
people. They turn around and abandon him. He loved that job. He loved that job so much that when the job required that he go to a hill called Cal. When the job gave him an assignment that nobody else could do but him. He went to the garden of Gethsemane and he prayed for the assignment to pass over him. And he said, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but let thy will be done. Jesus was so committed to his work that he 